You're listening to episode 77 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. And I am Eli. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Episode 77 on the 11s. Sorry, doing times, times tables with our kids. <laughs> um, as promised, <laughs> we're back together in the virtual studio again, smeared across the globe. Thank you, COVID, but still bringing content. That's right. And we actually, we've got a guest. So we're located right now in the United States, the North Caucasus, and a guest coming up here in Israel. Amazing, amazing three-way call here. About to bring to you. Um, Eli, before we get into the interview, I got a hot off the hot summer press in the North Caucasus. <laughs> Sounds Pop hot. quiz for you. Okay. I love quizzes. Yes. So, uh, I think just this past month in Pitigorsk, uh, our third McDonald's opened in the city. But oh, just guys. this week, a new city, another city in the North Caucasus got their first ever McDonald's. Can you guess which city wow. that is? Wow. This is big news. This, is, this means something. Okay. A city in the North Caucasus with a new, I want to say Grozny, but that seems unlikely. Not Grozny. Um, then it has to be Vladikavkaz because that's the next biggest one. That's, uh, you know, no. it's a good guess. And they did, they do have a Cinnabon and they did have a Papa John's, <laughs> <laughs> but no McDonald's. They have a Papa John's in Vladikavkaz? <laughs> they did. And last time I went there, I was so disappointed because oh. it was closed. How do they have a cinema? Anyway, this, these are the mysteries of <laughs> higher marketing that I can't even, you know, mega. All right. Then it's got to be Magas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for three. All right. I'm improving my average. So why don't you tell, tell me? It is. I'm, I'm surprised you get this. It's Nalchik, just right down the road, capital Nalchik. of Kabardina Balkaria. You know, we um, went to... We saw there was like a fake, a lot of places have KFC, but there was a fake KFC we went to in Nalchik, and I took a photo of it, and it was like, it was like the Kentucky Country Chicken Taste, or something was like the name of it. It was really great, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, this is almost the real deal. So uh, they've got, that's, 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 that's a good sign for Nalchik, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's like awesome. economically. You know, so my condolences least, to Nalchik yeah. also, but. Um, From, I know, yeah, that, that could go either way, I think. Right. But um, anyways, hey, let's get right into our content. I want to welcome... You're patiently waiting for us to jibber-jabber away. <laughs> so patient, so patient. Not the first guest we've had who's waited for us to stop jibber-jabbering. Um, from Israel, welcome David Shogun to Woo! Focus Talk. Welcome! Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, hello, Eli. Hello, Andrew. For Eli, yeah. it's a good uh, morning, I guess, right? And for uh, barely, but yes, yes, yes just like yeah. mm-hmm. So, David, you and I have been in touch a long time. Um, we finally got you on the show here. Um, yeah, since COVID started and when when inside our lives. COVID. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Really happy to have you here on the show. Why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to well, really to me and Eli, as well as our listeners, a little about yourself, your family, uh, and. Um, kind of your role in the circassian world well my name is uh, david shogan i'm 39 years old i live in kfarkama 
which is a small Circassian town in the northern part of Israel, uh, with my wife Dana and two little kids, Noah and uh, Mazai. Um, mm. I studied sociology, anthropology, and education at the University of Haifa. And since I remember myself, I was I was researching and lecturing on topics related to Circassian history, culture, cool. tradition, and, and so on. Um, today, among other things, I work as the academic advisor for the Circassian Museum in Kfarkama, which operates since 2007, oh. and it's the first Circassian Museum in diaspora, basically. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure Kokostok listeners already know about the Circassians, but for those of you who don't know or listen for the first time, uh, the Circassians are one of the uh, indigenous people of the North Caucasus, uh, with history going back at least 4,000 years BC. And uh, I'm a sixth generation for uh, Circassians who came to Israel, uh, or wow. what was before Israel uh, wow. about 130 years ago. So uh, thanks, for th- thanks for that intro. Uh, listeners, if you've been listening recently, we had Suhan Beck on uh, the show. She is a Circassian in California. Really fascinating um, story and interview with her. But David also is a Circassian. And uh, that is kind of a broad word to cover all of uh, kind of the Circassian tribes. But if you've ever heard us talk about Kabardians, Idigs, uh, Cherkis, and then there's lots of other smaller tribes. I got to ask, David, uh, I have a good Kabardian friend here by the last name of Shaginov. Um, is that kind of, is Shogun connected? Yeah, my, my family story is quite interesting, uh, or my family name history. Um, one of the uh, theories, or it's not, it's more like uh, even established fact, the name Shogun, you could find it uh, in basically all the tribes, all the Circassian tribes. You could find it Shogunov in Kabardia, you could find it in the Shapsu areas, and um, obviously in Adigea. So um, Shogun, um, the idea was uh, Shogun was a priest, Christian priest. Really? Yeah. And if, yeah. Uh, if he spread the Christianity, um, maybe some of his followers became Shoguns as well. So if you gather oh. all the Shoguns all over the world and make, you know, uh, sample their DNAs, they're not descended from the same father uh, immediately, it's not the same uh, family. There are different families, sure. and different. Uh, they their names started in different times in history, so mm-hmm. it depends on how Christianity spread uh, in, since the sixth century. In the, so, do you ever get confused with like a Japanese shogun? I'm Japanese, but when I was in a conference in Germany, uh, I met a, a woman, and she asked her. She knew my uh, hosts, and she asked them which family he's from. And they said, Shogun. And she said, wow, I'm a Shogun. And from the way she spoke, I understand it's a Kabardian accent. Oh, wow. And she, and she said, oh, really nice to meet you. And uh, she said, I never saw a Shogun like you or a Shogun who speak like you. And I said, I never saw a Shogun who speak Kabardian <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> so that was interesting encounter. But later on, I... I came to know the the story behind of it basically shoguns you can find them in in anywhere and you know uh, uh, circassians and other Co- north caucasian people have uh, 
what is called the Tamra uh, family emblem. Uh-huh. And Shogun family emblem, you can find about 15 of those emblems, unlike other families who have one or so two. So is this like a, a drawing or a symbol of some sort? Yeah, a symbol that they used to carve on, on animals or, or, or their property. So you would know immediately oh. which family it belonged. And uh, many, many Circassians still remember their emblems. Uh, Shoguns have more than 50, like... Uh, uh, different emblems. Some and do you know your family emblem? Looks like the same. Yeah, I have it on my uh, uh, icon. Oh, cool. So I got to ask a question right. just to just to interrupt Andrew early because that's that's sort of my job. Um, <laughs> I'm just really curious. Obviously, you're ethnically Circassian. You're obviously passionate about that, and that's your uh, heritage. But you live in, and I presume are a, a citizen of Israel. Is that true? Yeah. So I'm wondering, in what situations do you identify more with the Circassian ethnic side of of your identity? And are there places in which you would choose to kind of identify first as an Israeli citizen? Are, are th- do those both exist? Well, uh, uh, I always say to the visitors, they, they always try to find the, the tri- if there is a triangle or a hierarchy of Israeli, right. Muslim, and Circassian. Okay. And uh, actually, there was a, a dissertation made by one of the girls in, uh, in, in Krakama asking these same questions. And uh, to tell you the truth, the answer is very simple. I was, I was born Circassian, so I'm a Circassian. Um, I, I was born also Muslim, by a, but I could convert my religion, so it's not right. something you know, uh, fixed. But, yeah. And I live in Israel, but uh, the ancestor before me lived in, in uh, British Mandate, and before them it was Ottoman territory. So uh, uh. the strongest identity, I think, is the Circassian identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But obviously sense. we doesn't, doesn't make us uh, less Israelis uh, in terms of our uh, uh, being law-abiding citizen. And, right, and, right. Participating in the Israeli Israeli states. So, oh, if you. you ask me, that's that's my answer. Interesting. Good answer. So, David, let's back up a little bit for our uh, listeners who don't know. Uh, can you give a brief overview? Um, how did uh, your family? Uh, and now, from what I know, there's two cities or towns in Israel that are primarily Circassians. How did they end up in Israel? Tell us kind of the story of that. Well, to make long story long story short, the uh, Circassian diaspora in Israel and the uh, Circassian diaspora in the Middle East as a whole is the story is quite the same. Most of the Circassians in the Middle East are descendants of those uh, Circassians who were deported from Caucasus in eighteen sixties and sent to the Balkans, mainly Bulgaria. Um, this was after 101 years of the Russian-Circassian War, which ended with the genocide of half of our population and uh, the deportation of nearly 90% of the remaining half to the Ottoman mm. Empire. Wow. So uh, after 14, 15 hard years in the Balkans uh, and with the end of another uh, war between the Russians and the uh, Turkish Empire, uh, the Berlin Treaty forced the Ottomans to leave the, these lands and 
that meant sending 3,300 or 3,000 Circassians from the 300,000 who were there to the next problematic area in the empire, which was the Middle East. So (laughs) that's how we got here. Unlike Syria and Jordan, the Circassian settlement uh, that was in what was Palestine of the Ottoman territory back then, uh, was was relatively much more uh, smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the summer of 1878, about 400 Circassian men and women uh, were brought to the were brought by the Ottomans to Kfarkama, which was a strategic place uh, in the Galilee area. And at the same year, about 400 more settled in a village close to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, which was simply called Cherkis by its members. Cherkis oh. uh, meaning Circassian. Yeah. A few years later, probably 1880s, another 200 or so settled in Rahania, close to the Lebanese border. So the village Cherkis didn't survive the malaria that was spread uh, at that mm-hmm. area. Many died, and uh, the deaths were uh, so so high every day. Uh, they decided to leave that village. Mm. Um, uh, it was at the beginning of the 20th century. They either go to Rehania or Kfarkama, but the majority of them went to Syria and Jordan. And uh, today we are talking about 5,000 Circassians in Israel comparing to the tens of thousands living in Jordan and Syria. Mm-hmm. So okay. unfortunately, there are almost no written sources and seen since our older generation probably never talk about these topics, most of the people in Farkama can go back further, uh, you know, go back to their times in the Balkans, in their family history, but they only know the names of the generations, like many Circassians yeah. or North Caucasians. They can count seven generations up, but uh, uh, they don't know the stories after the fourth generation. So huh. that's basically it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so this is, that's actually the first I've heard. Um, I did not know that some Circassians actually went to the Balkans and then from the Balkans, is, is that right? Came to the Middle East, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were other waves as well, but the, the, the core of the Cir- Circassian uh, population in the Middle East are those who are in the Balkans. And so it was all deportation or from negotiation of war. There was no voluntary resettlement down to the Middle East, to the Israel, Syria, Jordan area. Is that right? Maybe there was uh, in the third wave. Uh, uh-huh, because people you know, were already there. The, at the beginning of the 20th century, some came to Jordan. and But still, uh, they they moved because it was very bad the place they were and they know right. there are surfacing concentration in other places so so decided to go there okay so today you said uh five thousand circassians in israel today is that correct primarily in two towns these are like pretty much circassian towns correct yeah for kama is more uh, homogenous um most of the people here are circassians maybe two yeah. families uh, who are arab families but uh, they're also fluent in Circassian language, so you wouldn't recognize them if they spoke to you by the phone, if you speak to them Circassian, obviously. Yeah, okay. Wow, so it sounds like 
from what you've hinted at, the Circassian language and kind of the identity is still really strong there. Is that correct? Yeah, it is uh, uh, quite strong, I would say. Um, at least compared to other Circassian communities, we were able, more, mostly by chance, not because we were the smartest Circassians, right? So uh, we were able to keep our language and what we call Habs, uh, our tradition. Mm-hmm. Man, right? so are you guys, what is your connection then, would you say, with the rest of the Circassian world? Obviously, you seem pretty well connected in your role, um, but are there like, is the relationship pretty alive with uh, Circassians in the homeland or in other parts of the diaspora? Well, since the 90s, the communism fell, the peace process with Jordan, the democratization process started in Turkey. All these communities were reopened and old ties were renewed, new ties were established. And Kvarkama mainly became a hub to all these connections. Uh, since we as we said before, preserve pretty much uh, our language in terms of, you know, the youngsters can converse in Circassian, so uh, you don't need translator if you visit the village. Um, it became a very popular uh, station right. going through Jordan or going to Turkey or whatever, you know. So uh, in the last 10 years, uh, Farkama became very, very known unproportionately, if you could say, uh, because of the internet, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they always, you know, look at us as the beacon. I don't like it that much, you know, to <laughs> give so much compliment to the small village and then they think, well, we have a good situation and we can... I mean, assimilation is affecting us as well, but... Uh, Comparing to other communities, uh, we survived well. So we have, you know, every summer we have festivals, Circassian dancing troops comes from the Caucasus, Jordan, Turkey. Each year it's a different country. Uh, we have our Circassian museum. So any Circassian who come to Israel knows about Kfarkama and anyone who comes to Kfarkama knows about the museum and he visited. At the weekly basis, we make new encounters and, uh, wow. and, and friendships. And Facebook's, you know, helps a lot also. For sure. Is there interest yeah. in, with with Circassians in Farkama or in other co- diaspora communities, how much interest is there in the idea of repatriation and going back to the original kind of motherland? Do people talk about that or is that not really a consideration? Yeah, you know, all the repatriation ideas uh, are in waves all over the community, all over the diaspora. I mean, in mm-hmm. the 90s, it was, uh, you know, go back. And I still remember they used to say in one salary that you earn in Israel, you can you can buy a, a flat in Maikop and it's very cheap. So don't waste your time. And it was very easy even to get the Russian passport. You you didn't have to go even to Tel Aviv, just go to Haifa, one hour drive from here to the wow. Russian consulate and just sign some papers and you're going to get the the citizenship. Wow. And many took it, you know, not many, but uh, at least uh, several, uh, a dozen people uh, have uh, Russian uh, passports in that time. And they build houses in the Caucasus, mainly in Adigea, 
uh, and they have some lands there. So repatriation was strong in the 90s, but the, the idea was strong, the, the implementation was less. Uh, some went to, to study there and, and uh, come back or stayed. So uh, they always used to say, we are very much preserved here. Why should we go to Russia and assimilate among uh, uh, people who speak Russian and the education system is Russian and all this mm -hmm. stuff? And even if you ask me, I mean, uh, as much as I'm a Circassian patriot, I would love to go back, but not to go back to Russian Federation rather to go back to Circassia. Nobody yeah, right. thinks that uh, they're going to give us uh, our land back as it is. But, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to be assimilated there. I would like to be, uh, to, you know, to to hold the uh, leaking dam as much as I can here in Falcom <laughs> and try to make uh, good connections still with our friends and brothers in Caucasus mm -hmm. and, and other places. That's basically sure. sure. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's it seems like it's a really important role what you are doing. Um, speak to the kind of uh, role of religion in your community. Uh, I mean, in the majority of uh, Circassians in the North Caucasus are Muslim. I know there's some small pockets of uh, Christian Kabardians, Orthodox in Mazdok, North Ossetia. I've only heard that. I haven't met them, but I, what is it uh, like there uh, in among the Circassians in Israel? Well, I think since we are a small community compared to other Circassians, other Circassian communities all over the world, you could say that we are more religious, or better say, more observant in our religious duties. Huh. Um, in the Ottoman area, for example, Farkama sent dozens of students to study at Azhar University in Egypt, which was at that time the pinnacle of scholarship of Sunni Islam. And uh, there were times that we had several scholars in our village at one time, while, while several other, other Arab villages had only one or none uh, at their villages. So uh, wow. the history and the foundation of these uh, scholars said met the religious figures, uh, the first leaders of the community, and that kept enough to visit Kfarkama in Ramadan, for example, the month of fasting in Islam, to see how it's been practiced and, and observed. All the shops are open as usual and work as usual, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't see anyone outside eating or drinking. Everyone is fasting, and if they are not, they are they won't do it in public. And if by any chance you get to the village at the sunset, you wouldn't see a living soul in Farkama. Everybody is sitting near their tables, uh, preparing to break their fast with their families. So, huh. in in that way, you would see differences between the Circassians in Jordan, Turkey, and mm -hmm. obviously. Focuses. But religious, again, it's uh, it's something that comes in waves. Uh, some of, I, I'll be honest, some of the Circassians from Kwakama were shocked to see how uh, the Circassians in the Caucasus know nothing about Islam because uh, it was eight years of communism. And uh, yeah. now you could find scholars in Caucasus who are much more, uh, much more educated than our scholars here in our village. So there are differences, but similarities as well. Yeah, that's, 
You're right. I mean, societies, every century societies change so much. And I think the way you put it is, is good. It kind of, almost everything comes in waves, you know? Yeah. Um, how does the, how does the surrounding, how do your surrounding communities of Israelis relate to you and understand you, do you think? Well, that was also uh, in waves. I mean, when we when we came here, uh, when we were brought here by the Ottomans, we were brought to a problematic area with uh, robber, highway robbers, and and you know uh, Bedouin who live in free free spirited lives. So uh, <laughs> it it wasn't uh, it wasn't so good for them to put uh, warlike people about <laughs> four hundred of them who won't stray from anybody, and <laughs> on the main on a main uh, road. Uh, and make them basically as gods of the area. So uh, there were some skirmishes at the beginning. Uh, it wasn't that bad here in Israel, but comparing, I, I mean, comparing to the Jolan and Jolan Mountains and, and uh, Amman area, but there were skirmishes as well. Eventually, Arabs understood that we are here to stay, so uh, better be uh, in good relationship with them. Um, about the Jews, there there were basically no Jews here when we were we sure. came. Uh, right. The Jews started to, I mean, the first wave of immigrants was 1882, but there were no villages near us. First settlers came here about 1904 or something like that, and the relationship was very good immediately at the beginning. I mean, we are mm-hmm. already uh, established village about. 13 years or 14 years of establishment, all the, mm-hmm. you know, tool makers and carpenters and blacksmiths, you have it all. So mm-hmm. uh, anything you need, you go to Kforkama and you can find very nice people, very honest people, and our reputation uh, spread. And we were also the gods of the Jewish settle- settlements as well. And um, now all who's who's Israel were our neighbors, basically. The first prime minister, um, generals of the army, ministers, uh, future ministers mainly, and also the president of the of, of Israel, the one that was before the president that we have now. Uh, so they always remember remember these good relationships that they had with the Circassian. Today, uh, you know, many of the Israel got bigger, the population got bigger. Many don't know about us. Oh. 4,000, 5,000 people in a population of uh, 7 million. Circassians hey, don't make such noise to be known. So <laughs> you go to their village right. and, and you know about them. And you can you can see me in the video. You wouldn't recognize me as a Circassian because you don't know what to look for, right? right. Uh, you see... a Redheads, blondes, blue eyes. We do have black hair uh, guys also, but I mean, we don't have any particular uh, uh, look. Features, uh, yeah. Features, yeah. I mean, you have Jews and Arabs here. The majority groups are Jews and Arabs. And when you say you are Circassian, they assume it's some kind of Arab, but they see you <laughs> and they see you are not an Arab. So what are you then? You say, I'm a Circassian from the Caucasus. So are you a Russian? God forbid, no. So, <laughs> so you have all, wow. these, uh, all these questions and, and they really don't know 
how to categorize yeah. you. Know? Wow. And, and to what extent do your kids uh, play with or have friends with Arabs or Jews? Since you got, since you're in a Circassian village, or most of I their, think, friends, I, I think until they go to high school, they only play with Circassian. Uh-huh. Uh, in the younger generation, they make uh, friendships in in junior high with uh, uh, junior high schools in the neighborhood through Facebook and and whatever <laughs> that they have now, right? Uh, but uh, we have here. Uh, kindergarten, primary school, middle school. So until ninth grade, the children don't leave this uh, this village. Now we do have other facilities, like sports facilities, that uh, our neighbors come as well. So they participate uh, with some of the extracurricular activities that we have. So they make some friends there. But besides that, uh, for example, also a soccer team, which is very uh-huh. Uh, you know, multi-ethnic Arab, Jewish, Circassian, which is unique in the in the whole league. Um, huh. Most of their friends are Circassian, and, okay. and they play yep. Circassian. Interesting. Wow. So, does all do all the like middle schoolers and uh, especially high schoolers in your town? Do they all speak Circassian, Hebrew, and Arabic? I mean, I have. Six years, six years, six years old boy and four years old girl. Uh, the the boy is starting first grade next year, uh, hopefully with COVID and 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 yeah. so, oh, so. <laughs> uh, normal beginning. I hope um, he can communicate only in Circassian language. I mean, oh, he okay. could know uh, wow. to say morning and how are you and my name is Noah in Hebrew. But he knows it because he heard it from internet or TV or, uh, you know, uh, some uh, trainer that they have in kindergarten who is Jewish. So uh, they know only Circassian language. When they go to school, the teaching language is in Hebrew. So they start to learn Hebrew. They add to it English, which is today international language. They add to it Arabic, which is really language of Islam. And they continue... Uh, in Circassian, in the fourth grade or fifth grade, to read and write. Okay. When they finish ninth grade, they already know four languages: two from right to left, two from left to right, and four different <laughs> alphabets. It's not oh. easy, obviously, but Incredible. we try to preserve them all because they are all important for us. So, yes. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> We uh, we just won't compare. We'll leave the comparison on the yeah, table. Yeah, let's just of, leave that there. You know, what, a, really nothing what American ninth graders know, what languages they know. <laughs> Man, very cool. When we have uh, visitors from the United States, uh, their eye their eyes are coming out. First, they hear my English and they say, "How many years have you been in the states or, or other places?" Uh, yeah, I'm not a native speaker. Obviously, anyone who who hears me knows that, but. Uh, they don't know where to put my accent and where because <laughs> they heard other Israelis speak and they they heard it's not the same. I don't say zer and zis and zap like the common Israelis speak. <laughs> we have uh, better pronunciation because we have uh, much more sounds in our native language. So uh, uh, yeah, you do. Uh, and, and when they hear you, you speak four languages. Their eyes are coming out and say, what? You only know English. So maybe Spanish. Some of them know, but. Uh, yeah. Well, 
well, it's nice. Yeah, four four languages is like knowing being four persons, and that's incredible. It's quite an yeah. adventure. Then. Well, I guess part of the reason I was asking is I'm trying to understand and gauge kind of how what it means to have this community. You know, every community is defined in part by boundaries. And so, you know, what are some of the the unspoken or spoken boundaries? And so you've already said several of them. You know, have your children with their mother tongue, first language in Circassian for several years of their life and then come into yeah. the national language of Hebrew as their second language. Like that's a very clear demarcator, you know, um, yeah. and that that is one reason that I think your community is so strong and continues to be. I would imagine other ones would be something like marriage. I mean, that could be a whole other conversation. You know, what are the expectations, desires, negotiations around who marries whom in yeah. the Circassian community in Israel? Yeah, well, uh, my kids, we tell them, you know, uh, when you grow old, you would marry, right? Like mommy and daddy, Circassian people, right, right? As a joke or <laughs> as, as being serious, they say, yes, yes, we would. and. Uh, that's how you work on it, and uh, uh, it, it works for us very well. In the last 150 years, maybe we had 40 cases of marrying outside the community, outside the community, namely non-Circassians, be it be may it be Jews, Arabs, Russian, uh, South Africa, South uh, American, or whatever, and. It's it's quite good. I mean, nobody was deported and outcast. Most of them decided to live in our community, <laughs> and okay. we were, uh, welcomed them. And the oldest couple, their children, grown in, in Farkama and and already got married here. So, sure. so I have a much I have a much riskier question. Us. Wow, I have, a, I have a much much riskier question that I'm curious about now. Um, honestly speaking, what do you think? the community would respond how the community would respond if uh, a child or an adult wanted to change religion but stay in the community well how, how are you going to do that if you are uh, i mean first of all no nobody would uh, banish him or outcast him but he would understand from his upbringing uh, I, I'm gonna make it more uh, complicated. They always Good. ask me about uh, reality uh, is always more complicated. Uh, they always say you're supposed to have uh, gay people here. I mean, ah, proportionally uh -huh. speaking, the visitors who, who who visit ask that. I say, well, maybe uh, proportionally speaking, we we're supposed to have, but uh -huh. I never met anybody. And you know, if we will meet. Nobody would outcast them and banish them. Uh, from my from my knowledge of, of uh, short history in Farkama, that's what I know, and mm -hmm. um, it's the same with with the religion. I mean, mm -hmm. some practice more, some practice, but we never take it to extreme. You wouldn't see here people who say I'm an atheist. I believe mm -hmm. in the uh, spaghetti monster or whatever. You yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, you believe whatever you believe. I mean, it's it's between you and God. We don't interfere with your beliefs. But if mm -hmm. you live in a Circassian community, which is Muslim community, Israeli yes. community, remember these uh, the the hierarchy or triangle. You have three hats here. 
if one mm. of the house doesn't fit you, the door is open. You can go and live wherever you want. You are mm -hmm. Israeli, Muslim, and Circassian here in Krakama. So if you want to live different life, it's it's a whole ocean to, to, to go. And uh, I think if somebody would like to change your religion, uh, change his uh, sexual practices, they're gonna uh, they won't stay here. They're gonna leave mm -hmm. to, to Tel Aviv mm -hmm. or wherever. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for your honest answer. I'm always trying to be honest. Yeah, striking or refreshing for sure. Um, I had a question, and I oh no, I don't remember. Um, Eli, do you <laughs> Eli, do you have any other questions? I can. I think um, we can start wrapping no, it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. This is really you know the questions beget questions. It leads to more and more thinking. So, but this is a this has been really good so far. Yeah. So. David, we always wrap up our interviews with our guests with this one question. Um, you have a unique perspective on this, but what is one thing you would like to tell the world about people from the North Caucasus and specifically uh, the Circassian nation? About the people from the North Caucasus, uh, it would be that they are people of respect and honor. Uh, respect them and they will respect you mm -hmm. 10 times more disrespect them and they will show you the door hopefully <laughs> for you <laughs> and uh, so uh, you know and, and we see that among the jews who came from the caucasus as well uh, the jews who are living in kavadino Balkaria mainly and from dagestan as well uh, they took the caucasian uh, caucasian mentality and even language some of them and uh, Respect is very, very important in these communities. So huh. you have to know how to behave. The common Israeli behavior, they immediately recognize that as we do. You know, uh, mm. um, I'm going to give you a simple example. Standing in the line and, and waiting to your turn. When you go, uh, I don't know, to a to post office, for example, aerial post office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the last one who comes say, who's last? In Israel, that's that's how they say who's last. That's, that's what, what they, they do here in Russia. <laughs> in Farkama, nobody asks that because he is the last, right? You won't ask who's last. I am the last, and anyone who comes behind me is behind me. So I don't need to know anyone. I mean, I don't need to know anything else beside them. I'm the last. When everybody here is done, it's my turn. So wow. it's when you think about it. Yeah, don't ask stupid questions, basically. <laughs> for for Caucasians, these are are not uh, they are not being taught that they are they are living that. So, I mean, Caucasian is a broad uh, definition, right? But for Circassians mainly, they immediately recognize that you don't have to be anthropologist right. to see they behave differently, mm -hmm. and they they many times they say, "Hey, who are you guys? Where are you coming from?" What are you guys? So these questions, when when you don't shout and we don't, you wait patiently and you know, don't stand unless the, you are called uh, by your name. Uh, these behaviors are unique sometimes in Israel, uh, sadly. And, wow, uh, fascinating. Uh, that's how they recognize us immediately. Another thing I would like to that people would know, and that's one of the things I do every time we have visitors. 
to Kfarkama about the Circassians. I always say to them, look, you uh, Jewish people mainly, you say, you say uh, 51% of our population in Israel and 49% of our population in diaspora. I say 90% of the Circassians are outside their ancestral homeland. This is the wow. only nation that 90% of its population lives outside their ancestral homeland. The closest example to that is the Jewish example. Wow. People mention the Armenians and the Kurds. The Kurds, mostly, most of them are settled in their ancient territory. Obviously, it's divided in four countries uh, and mm -hmm. they don't get independence. Hopefully, they will. Wow. But uh, most of them are there. And the Armenians, obviously, they have their popular, the, the huge diaspora in the United States and, and Europe. But they have a country that it's, it's part of the United Nations. These dreams are very, very far from us. And wow. these are the dreams that we want to accomplish eventually. The lands of, the lands of Circassia, even though it's not on the maps of the world today, it's still in our hearts. And that's a dream that we would like to see come to existing again. Really well put. Thanks for that. Yeah, that was... It's uh, we always get a unique uh, answer to that question. Didn't didn't let us down here. It's interesting, David. Uh, even you know, folks from the Caucasus and Circassians who go to study in Europe or in America or or wherever China, uh, they get the same questions that you get asked uh, there in Israel. Like, who are you guys? Wait, you're from Russia? Are you are you Russian? No, and like. Just people don't know that part of the world, the Caucasus, you know, so it's really hard for them to explain as well who they are and where they're from. So, man, well, this really was a pleasure having you, David. Um, thank you so much. I would love, would you be willing to uh, address our Circassian listeners in the Circassian language, just some kind of exhortation or greeting to them? For all the Circassians who listen to us, wherever you are sitting or standing, thank you very much for listening to us. I send you my greetings and thank you for listening. Fantastic. And thank you much, you guys, Andrew and Eli. Oh, it's for, our pleasure and our privilege. Uh, and thank you, Internet, obviously, uh, to make this, uh, this, uh, yeah, this COVID. possible. Was, uh, yeah, even COVID. Why, why not? Uh, you <laughs> should find uh, the good thing at any any scenario. So yes, thanks, I agree with that. thanks for having me. It was very, very interesting talk. And your podcast is very interesting. I try to listen as much as I can. Obviously, Sohain was the last chapter I listened yep. to. It. And uh, there are some chapters I, you know, cross it fast, but it's very, very good. <laughs> and some say, why, what makes these American guys do this stuff? So I say, well, they love, they love people and they love Caucasian and they want to spread what they hear and, and see. And I guess that's, uh, uh, it's asking, it's like asking why. Why do I work in a museum, right? So right. you are very passionate in what you do. So I wish you good luck and uh, more, more interesting chapters to hear from you. Well, awesome. We appreciate that. Thank uh, you. Thank you for speaking speaking up for us. That's that, I think 
I agree with how you said it. Yeah, I'm glad that's coming across. Thank you, David. Really good to meet you. Thank you very much. Happy Wapsu. Wapsu. Wapsu.